Some time ago, I read a story, actually a long time ago, I read a story that uh, I thought about Father's Day and how this, how different it is and how ironic it is, but the story is about a young man, a boy, his name was Tommy, and Tommy grew up with, uh, in a good home, his mom and dad loved him, he had siblings, uh, and he just grew up as a normal kid, rode a bike, uh, roller skated, uh, got in fights, uh, just normal things that kids do. And uh, as he grew older, his, his family loved him and everything, and it was a good family. And as he got into his junior high years, him and some of his friends started experimenting with drugs. And as they did that, you know, they, they got into heavier and heavier into drugs. And so finally, his parents started noticing that Tommy was starting to be different. And he was just, uh, he was a little more irritable. He wasn't as warm and friendly a little boy that he always was. And, and, they, and, they, and they noticed he was dry, you know, school wasn't doing good, bad marks in school. He'd sit at the, at the supper table and he didn't talk as much and, there was kind of an unfriendliness about him and everything. And they, they, they were kind of disturbed about this. And, well, as, they, uh, as this grew and grew, they figured, well, okay, he's his friends and him are into drugs. And it finally got so bad that they just went ahead and put him in a treatment center, and they'd done this several times. He'd have a little bit of success, uh, then he'd go right back again and use drugs. And it seemed like every time he did, it got worse. And it started to be where he actually got violent. He'd be home and, and uh, he'd throw things in the house and, and at the table he would throw his plate and, and things like that. And it was very disturbing, very unsettling to the family. So they just didn't know what to do. They were at their wits end and they didn't want to send him away again. They just wanted him home. They loved him. They just wanted him home. And uh, as, as this grew on and on, he became threatening. He was threatening his parents. He was going to tell his parents, I'm going to kill you. And this was really, really very unnerving in that whole household. And so one evening, uh, a fight just kind of broke out in the kitchen. He just started yelling and screaming at his parents. And he opened the drawer and he pulled out a kitchen knife, a big kitchen knife, and, and said, he's going to kill both of you. Well, Tommy's father had a gun in the closet and he grabbed that gun. He didn't know what else to do. He was terrified. And as Tommy lunged at his parents, he took the gun and he pointed at his son and he fired point blank at him, shot him right in the chest and dropped him. Killed him, he was dead instantly. And at the funeral, uh, as Tommy's mom and dad were standing by the casket, and there he, it was just the two of them, and there he laid, it was peaceful, uh, very quiet. They put their arms around each other and said, you know, we've got our son back. The monster that was inside of him is dead. We've got our son back. And, you know, I thought, as I was preparing this, I thought, you know, what a consolation. But their son is dead. But that monstrosity that was inside him was so horrible that they actually had peace that he was dead. You know, and I think on Father's Day how ironic that is, that a son 
had to be shot by his father because of his actions. Well, you know, our Heavenly Father done something very, very similar to that. You know, if we go back, way back in the Garden of Eden, we remember that uh, Adam and Eve had sinned, and we remember that they got ushered out of the garden. They, told, they were told they had to leave the garden. And remember, uh, there was, in the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life. And the reason he drove them out of the garden in God's love was because he didn't want them getting back to that tree of life. Because if they did, they would live forever. And they would live forever in a sinful state. And years, years down the road, if you were born with a deformity or something like that, you had that forever. Because they could not die. That's what the tree of life had provided. And so we know the story how God had put an angel there to guard that so they wouldn't get back and get near that tree and live forever in a sinful, fallen state. You know, there's a lot of times in our Bible study stories when they're little kids, you know, we see God ordering Adam and Eve out of the garden, and he, you know, he's like, you get out of here, you sinful dirtbags. You know, I don't want to see you again. Get out of my sight. You know, we, we kind of get that connotation, but really it was the love of God that put them out of the garden because he didn't want them living sinfully forever. And even Cain, you know, who was the first murderer, God put a mark on him, and he didn't want anybody killing him. Destroying him. The first murderer, God had had love for Cain and put a mark on Cain so that he would not, you know, be be murdered and someone hear about him, they would murder him. And so they were expelled from the garden. And we see how sin uh, started to run rampant. You know, I've kind of put this message in three phases. The first phase is Let's let sin run its course. And that's kind of what God did. He said, I'm going to let this run its course. We're going to see where this goes. Obviously, he knew where it's going to go. But for our record, we can look back and see. But the sin that was in the world. In fact, it tells about in Genesis how it got so bad that men were, had evil continually planning in their mind. Evil and violence continually. It was a horrible time to live. I can't imagine being, uh, you know, property was taken from you, rape, uh, uh, anything. Anything evil that man thought of, that's what he did. And this was constant. And, you know, we know the story how it leads to uh, the flood. You know, God finally says, I am sorry I made man. I can't go on with him like this. So he's, he's going to destroy everything. But he found a man. We know who he is. He found Noah. He was found righteous in the eyes of God, favorable, if you will, in the eyes of God. It built the ark, has family in there. It floods the earth, and it take, kills everything. We're going to start all over. And so the, the water dries. They step out on dry land. It wasn't 100 years later that the Tower of Babel was starting to be erected. 100 years. The Tower of Babel was where everybody spoke one language, and they decided, we're going to build a castle up to heaven. We're going to build a tower up to heaven. And God looked at that and said, you know what? There isn't anything that's impossible for man. He could pull this off. 
There's nothing that he can't do. So he confused their languages so they couldn't communicate. You know, the, the carpenters and the bricklayers, they, they couldn't get their, you know, their uh, directions together, so they gave up on the project. So they, that's where our word Babel comes from, the Tower of Babel, because to each one of them, they were just speaking Babel. So they couldn't continue with their project. But we see how God had intervened all the way through this whole thing into Abraham, into to Isaac, Jacob, Lot, all these people. We see God still... Remember, there was no consolation for sin back then. There was no, no, no uh, uh, redeemer, if you will. And so sin was just running rampant. We're familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, how God had rained down fire and brimstone. It was so bad. It was like a cancer. I've got to cut this out of mankind. They're going to end up killing each other again, just like they started before the flood. So he intervenes. He intervenes with Lot. And, you know, this is all the story of Rebecca and all them, how they... they uh, how God interacted with them and stuff like that. He still wanted to be a God to them. I, they're my people. I want them. They're made in my image. I want to have an association with them. But the, but the sin was not checked. It was not stopped. It ran rampant all, these, all, all this time. And this, this was probably a period up until the law of about 2,500 years. And that next phase is God says there ought to be a law. You know there ought to be a law. I'm going to make a law so people know how to behave. And so he takes a group of people, the Hebrew people, fathered by Abraham, and he takes this group of people and said, you're going to be my people. I'm going to teach you how to live righteous, and I'm going to teach you how to eat. I'm going to teach you how to rest. I'm going to teach you how to worship. I'm going to teach you... Uh, everything you need to know about sex, about diet, about everything. I'm going to teach you everything. And when you do what I tell you, you will be a blessed nation beyond any nation that's ever been on this earth. If your cattle are pregnant, uh, uh, she's going uh, to have twins. Your lambs, they're going to come out in triplets. Your crops are going to be tenfold more than any, any other country around. Your, the, your gardens will be flourishing Everything. Your children will be strong. This is called the blessing of Abraham, by the way. There will be no sickness among you. Any sickness there is, it's eradicated right away. Your children will be strong and good, and your families will be wholesome and well together. See, that's how God's heart is. And so he told them, if you follow this law, you'll have all these things. But then he said, but if you don't, you will be cursed beyond any country that's ever been cursed. It doesn't take much of a history lesson to look back and see what's happened to the Jewish people. If you just start, just go back 70-some years ago with the Holocaust, you know, under the Nazi regime, and all the genocide that's been attempted to wipe out the Jews or the Hebrews in this world today. Right now, ISIS, that's what they would love to get rid of every Jew on the face of this earth. That's how much hatred... Satan has for the Hebrew people because of all the promises that God gave those people. And they said, if you don't do these things, you will be cursed. You will be overtaken by sickness. Your crops will fail. Your cattle will die. Your children will become weak and sick. They will not flourish like I wanted them to. And there will be, 
you will be overtaken by other countries. You won't even have a home. And, of course, we know the history of that whole thing. We've seen in uh, First and Second Kings and in Chronicles how they fell. They made the covenant that, yes, we will do that. They failed to do that. Out of all the kings, one would pop up and he'd be a good king. He'd straighten things out again. And they'd go back to their temple worship. And they'd go back to their rituals. And they'd go back to their right living. But then another one would come on. And we read over and over and over. It says, and this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we see that over and over and over. We are seeing that God implemented the law and we could not keep that law. I say we because we would have been no different. Us Germans wouldn't have been any different. Us Swedes wouldn't have been any different. Especially the Swedes. No. <laughs> what did I say that for? But the covenant was broken, and we, we see the nation uh, was overtaken. Uh, they, they even fought among themselves. They broke up into uh, the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom, and pretty soon Syria takes over one kingdom. Uh, uh, Babylon takes over the other one. They're in exile. They're, they're in captivity. They're tortured. Their women are raped. They're treated ill. And this is the place where Jeremiah pops up. Jeremiah the prophet, I think Mike mentioned this in his sermon two weeks ago. In, in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34, it says, I will put my laws in their hearts and my, my uh, desires in their mind. They will be my people. He still wants these people. And he says, I don't know how much closer I can get if I can't just get absolutely inside of them and teach them what I want them to know. And so the prophet Jeremiah uh, said this during the Babylonian exile. And it shows again the heart of God and what he's going to do about sin. Well, we know they got restored again. They, they, got, their, they got their temple back. They rebuilt the temple. But then they slide into, and this is about the time that Jesus comes upon the scene, but then they slide into Roman rule. The Roman government has confiscated, if you will, their, their complete freedom. Uh, they're, they're free to worship. They're free to do their, their uh, worship things, religious things, but they are under Roman rule. <clears throat> you know, in the third phase, we, we could look at it this way. That God says, I will restore them to me by my son who will become the sin. Remember the Bible says, he became sin for us. In other words, my son who will become the sin or the monster in him. If you want to go back to that story about Tommy. And he, I will send my son and he will take on and be the monster. He will be the one full of sin. And he will take the death penalty that goes with it. What a decision that God had to make. That he took his best, his righteousness, and made it sinful. And the sin that he took was for every man, woman, and child that's ever lived. 
Amazing. Boy, you can just swim in that for a long time, can't you? I want to read uh, in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, uh, verse six is verses 6 through 11. I'll just read them. Knowing this, that our old self, that's the monster, was crucified with him, and that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. You remember when, when Tommy died, you know, he was free from that monster. He was free from that drug addiction. The drug addiction no longer bothered him. <clears throat> For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him also. The thing with Tommy is they had no recourse to bring him back to life. But the Bible says that if we die with him, we live with him. There's a resurrection. And it says, knowing this, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, and death no longer is master over him. If death has no master over him, he has, death is not a master over us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can look death and say, you're about, uh, you're temporary. You're extremely temporary. Because when I pass from this life, I'm going to the next one. Just like that. So you don't have any mastery over me. He doesn't have any mastery over a believer. A believer experiences it, but it's not mastered over him. It's not permanent. Hallelujah. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In verse 10 it says that the death that he died, he died to sin one time for everybody. One time for everybody. On Sunday morning we're going through Hebrews, uh, and we're, we're, we're getting into that now this fall again, and that's about, right about where we're at. We're going to get into some verses that just ought to make us do backflips. We'll probably do, be doing that on Sunday morning before church, doing backflips. And some, I, I, wouldn't that be great? If we just got it and just said, are you kidding me? My sins are all forgiven. They're gone. He doesn't remember that. We're going to see a little bit more of that in, in, uh, in chapter 5 of, uh, of Romans. <clears throat> uh if you want to turn to chapter 5 of Romans right now, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to surf through here real quick and uh, hit some points, and we'll wrap up with that. I asked Mike this morning if he would put Romans 5, the whole chapter, on the New Living Translation. Uh, it's so simple that you can't preach this any better than this. I mean, it just, you can't preach this good. Verse 1 starts out, Therefore, 
Therefore means because of all the stuff I just told you before in chapter 4. It says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. Peace with God. Now, now, now consider that. We're, we have peace with God right now. We have, we're not under any law anymore. We're at peace with God because of what Jesus did. But he's asking, there's, there's a glitch here. There, there's a, little, you know, there's a little, little fine print. It's called faith. It's called believe it. We need to believe it. That's why, swipe your card. Believe it. That's all he's asking us to do. In the meantime, he's going to tell you what he's got for us here. So verse 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That undeserved privilege is grace. Simple grace. Does anybody here not sin? Ben, did you have your hand up? You did? I was wondering about that. Great. We have access. You know that word access? You know, that almost sounds like, well, you know, I've got to go and open the door. No, the door is wide open. And the access, that means, I wish I remembered the Greek word, but it's it's like continually open. It's it's like, it's like the doors are nailed open, and you walk in. You know, it's 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 so, and it's and stands permanent. See, God's grace is permanent towards us, and this door, these doors are wide open. These access doors, so we have access right now into His grace. Oh, amazing! Thank you, Jesus. Get a hold. Let's get a hold of this. The work's been done. Jesus did everything. He did all the work. He, he wants us to enjoy it. If there, is, if there is a brand new Escalade out there, 20, are the 16s out yet? I don't know. Monty, did you get a 2016 yet? You're looking at one, though, huh? Uh, let's say it's sitting out there in a the parking lot, and he come in and, 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 he, and he, tells, he tells Monty, that escalates out there for you. Money never gets in. Never gets in. Never, never even approaches it. Because he don't believe it. He won't believe it. So it's, he's not going to get it. But if you believed it, it's his. He just gets it. And this, is the, this is the way grace is. You, we, have to, we have to look at grace as a total gift to us. You can't earn that. You cannot earn that. Going back to that Cadillac, that was brought in there. The dealer said it's paid, it's paid for. It sits there. Monty can't do it. Oh, Monty could get back and say, oh, I don't deserve it. I'm just a dirt bag. Yes, you are, Monty. That's right. We know that. But that's what qualifies you. That's, what made that. that's how you get qualified. You're a scum. We're sinful. That's how we qualify. We can't do a law that makes us righteous. There's no way that we can strap our, you know, pull up our bootstraps and I, you know what, I'm going to quit drinking, I'm going to quit swearing, I'm going to quit lying, I'm going to quit cheating, I'm going to do all You can stop every one of them and you cannot reach God's righteousness. 
It's far, far below that. But what he says, if you take my grace, you're getting my righteousness. You're getting everything Jesus has. Everything that Jesus has been given is ours. You don't have to be Mr. Clean. You will be Mr. Clean. The minute we get this and understand this, we will be clean. Because the root is inside of us. The root causes the fruit. It's not no longer the fruit on the outside changes the root. You see the difference? When we change in the inside, our fruit on the outside will be different. We won't want to do those things because... We've got a Savior that's crazy about us. He's nuts about you, especially you. You're so perfect, right? Why do I always pick on you? Oh, because I'm wondering what's wrong with that. (laughs) But isn't that something? See, you... If... um, you know, I asked the Lord this morning, I kind of just, you know, I just kind of caught this this morning a little bit. And <clears throat> I said, Lord, how can I explain this? How can I, how can I explain that everybody in this room is sin-free? The, pay, the payment's been paid for. See, the enemy, Satan, has for years, for years, you know, I think he loves church. I think he loves that when people go to church, and they say, uh, yeah, well, you know, Jesus is good, hallelujah, and everything. But, boy, i got to behave myself or I ain't going to make it. You can't behave yourself good enough. But if we get it, if we get the understanding that grace has been just given to us, and he says, now enjoy it and live in it. I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, this morning in prayer, I just, it was a neat thing. Linda said it. Uh, he said, Lord, I, I, you, just, um, you just wait for me to get up in the morning and just start talking to you and start praising you and magnifying you. Isn't that cool? Just, he waits for us to get up in the morning. That's how much he loves us. You know, the love that you know, further on, we read in, the, in chapter 5 of Romans, it says that, you know, we might, write, we might die for a righteous man, but we might do that. We might die for, you know, uh, uh, if someone dies for a king or a real famous person or something like that. Oh, that's another honorable thing. But, but imagine if, if Ben died for Charles Manson. What? Really? And nobody knew about it. See, that's what God, that's God's love goes that far. He takes the lowest, grossest sinner there is and dies for him and pays for his sin. You know, even uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, throw out some names. Ed Gein. How many know Ed Gein? This is going to be good. Okay, we got one. You're not really that old, though, Grant. Anybody else know Ed Gein? <clears throat> well, that's a guy back in about 57 or so. He was from Wisconsin. 
you know, he's probably a Packer fan. I had to be to act like this. But, you know, he, he took and he just skinned people and made lampshades and uh, stuff like that, you know. And, uh, you know, even his sin is covered. Amazing. But <clears throat> the enemy comes in and says, absolutely not. That is not true. You go back to the law, and you have to perform that law in order for you to be righteous. See, he loves to go to church and have people sit there and think, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. I'm not good enough. I, I, I can't. I, I did this last night. I argued with my wife. I screamed at my kids this morning. I was coming to church. I can't be. No, you're absolutely right. You can't be. See, that's why you've got to give up. Just give up and take the grace and let the grace... Let the grace come over you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I don't know how long I've been going here. I, I have no concept of time when I'm up here. So uh, another couple hours, I should be done. <clears throat> I think. I want to go to... Um, I want to go to uh, Romans, uh, we're in the fifth chapter at 12. It said, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, everyone's sin. Death is a great equalizer. Death, death, death knocks down everybody. You know, from the, the poorest person in the world to the richest person, most famous person in the world, death will take us all, takes us out. Death has a 100% mortality rate, 100%. It takes us out. And, you know, Adam brought that in. But now, by I'm going to read another verse here. <clears throat> uh, let's, look at verse, um, let's look at verse 15. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We are either in Adam or we're in Christ. When we are born, we are born in sin, the Bible says. Every one of us, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So there's only two kinds of people in the world. You're either in Adam and stay in your sin and, and develop some kind of religion that, you know, whether you got to smoke something or, uh, you know, do these rituals or kick this can or ring this bell or sprinkle something on you. You either got something like that or you got Christ. You got Jesus. That's it. You're either in Christ or in Adam. That's it. You know, and verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. You could say all. You know, the Bible means all. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, Remember, you've got to receive it. <clears throat> we'll live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. We are going to rule, we rule over sin and death. <clears throat> you know, uh, lately, <clears throat> you know, there, there's been a lot of illnesses. You know, there, I mean, we you know, talk about Glenn's illness, um, there's a young man. Brian Carlson died in, uh, just this last Thursday, I think, in uh, Tracy, uh, you know, Sue Swan, or just, uh, just so many. We're, we're hearing these things, you know, and they're, 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 they're uh, horrendous 
horrendous situation. You know, and I, I, I keep thinking, you know, there's something greater, and, and I'm not conceding anything here to not being healed, but there's something greater than getting healed, and that's resurrection power. You know, resurrection. We're, you know, we're, we're all going to die at some time or other, but we're, we got resurrection power. You know, I had a chance to talk to Brian this week. I'm just going to share this a little bit. I, I uh, had his phone number, and he worked for McClary's. He uh, stopped out and dropped product off and stuff like that. And uh, I, I called him Thursday, you know, and, uh, or Wednesday morning. And I, I said, uh, um, <clears throat> hi, Brian, this is Bob Fricky, and I just want to talk to you a little bit. And uh, I don't want to take up your time. I, I know, you know, uh, you know, I just don't want to, you know, you're probably resting and so on and so forth. And um, I just told him we're praying for you. And, and his voice was real weak. He said, yeah, he says, I'm kind of wiped out this morning. And, of course, he died the next morning. But anyways, I'm kind of wiped out this morning. And, um, but thank you. You know, I said, you know, Brian, I said, we've got a Savior. I've never talked to him like this before. I mean, it was, you know, all business before. I said, you know, Brian, we've got a Savior. We've got a Savior in heaven. And he's your Savior. No, I, I know that, Bob. I know that. I know that. I said, not only that, but we're all going to get new bodies. We're all going to get bodies that are uh, impenetrable, bulletproof. Yeah, no, I know. I know that, Bob. I know that. So I let him go. I had a few concluding remarks. And, and I put that off a long time. I'm so glad the Lord led me to do that, you know, that I had just, I had that peace that, that I could talk to him, you know. But... <clears throat> Anyway, the point I'm trying to say is there's all these, all these things going on. So-and-so's got cancer, and, you know, it's almost like cancer is a common word. Like, you know, you could get cancer, you know, and, you know, it just hangs around us here. You know, and, uh, and I keep thinking of the resurrection power. There, there's something greater. You know, death does not master over us anymore because of Jesus. <clears throat> I got to share this, and then I, I think I got to close. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you, Jesus. I, <laughs> I was, you know, thinking about all the resurrection power and trying to convey that to people and things like that. And so I, you know, went to bed last night, and <laughs> I just, I had this dream. It's just awesome. And timing is everything. Thank you, Jesus. But I. I had dreamt that I had died, and I was in a mortuary, and uh, uh, I was in a, in a room, I suppose, about maybe the size of, say, Casey's office or something like that, and they had a curtain there that kind of separated the room from the rest of the building, and it was in a mortuary, and he was uh, preparing my body for burial, and uh, you know, he kind of had me wrapped up with some cloth and stuff like that, and he was stapling, you know, stuff around me and stuff like that, you know. And and I was kind of laying on the on the floor. He had me kind of on the floor, and there was like a like a box, like a cardboard box. He was going to roll me into and then take me over to another place and put me in a casket or something. But well, anyway, uh, so I'm laying there, and he's he's getting me all wrapped up and everything. And and, and it dawns on me, he says, "Wait a minute." I'm alive. I just came to life. I'm alive. I, I, I'm alive. I thought, 
you know, what, what's, what's with all this, you know? And so I just kind of, and I, at first I was just kind of stunned, like, this is, I'm in a funeral home forevermore. I'm, they're preparing me for burial. And so I kind of shucked that stuff off, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> then I, 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 I stand up, and I thought, this is so awesome. I can't wait to tell this, to show everybody I'm alive. And, and so the curtain is there, and his, the, the guy, the, the undertaker was probably, oh, is a man in his 50s or so. <coughs> and his body was kind of right against the curtain. Kind of just, I could just see he was right there. <coughs> Sorry, give me a minute. <coughs> and so I couldn't resist it. So I went like this. I had to grab him a little bit. He goes, no! <laughs> Just your classic, you know. Then I pull open the curtain, you know. And there's, uh, on the other side of the room, there's some steps, like steps up here, you know. And he, he's kind of down, he's kind of down like this, and he sees me, Aah! he goes like this. Whoa, what's going on here? What, what is this? He goes like this. And I, I go, I'm back. Well, then he got, a, he got an assistant in there. He got his assistant, and, and his assistant goes, what's this all about, you know? And the guy says, no, he'll tell you, he'll tell you. Because the undertaker knew I was a Christian. And so they're both sitting down, they're just getting their breath, and, and so the assistant says, okay, you've got to tell me what's going on here. Well how, what is, well, how did you do this? And the undertaker says, no, don't worry about it. I know he's going to tell you. He's a Christian, and he's come back from the dead. I love that. Last night I had that. I mean, I was preparing this message. How, how, thank you, Jesus. How cool is that? You know, and, uh, so I'm on a little bit of a high today. I mean, I, seriously, you know. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to conclude with... Um, uh, I'm just going to, verse 20 of Romans, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Remember, the law was given just to show us our sin. The law was never meant to redeem us. The Hebrew law was never meant to redeem us. It was meant for the Jewish people. It was not meant for us. The law just showed them their sin. It showed them you cannot do this on your own. Some of, you, you know, some of you might say, well, you know, why didn't God just do this right away and get it over? Why did we have to have 2,500 years of sin and 1,500 years of law? Because he had to show us. He had to show us that we could not do this on our own. And that's where grace came in and been applied to us. <clears throat> it goes on and says, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Some of your translations says God's God's goodness superabounded, jumped way over the sin. You don't have, you haven't committed a sin that grace will not come over, that the blood of Jesus will not overcome. You haven't committed that. His grace far, far supersedes that. Now I'll close with this verse 21. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God 
and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's just clap. Let's just clap for him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, you know what that's going to make me do? That's going to make me want to live for him. I, I'm not, I don't have to look over my shoulder all the time and see if I did it right or did it wrong. I want to live for him. I don't want to displease him. I don't want my flesh to, to have priority over me. I want my spirit. I want him and what he did for me. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful gift of grace. Thank you for the mastery over death and sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for everyone in here today that would fall on good ground, that our ears would hear this, that our, our spirits would take it in, Lord God. But this is the great, great plan that you had all along, even from the foundation of the world, when the first sin was committed, you had this all taken care of. Lord, today we glorify you in that, we exalt you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.